Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Hey, we're in the fall. How many of you are ready for the fall? How many of you are excited to send your kids to school? Uh, just a joke. <laughs> no, it's good to be able to, to start back the church year because for us, the year starts in September. This is where we get the ball rolling. And um, we thank you for all of you that are stepping up to the plate when it comes to serving, making this church function. There's a lot of ministry happening under this roof and through this body. So we thank you so much for your faithfulness. One of the topics that I would, I would want you to pray is that for um, most of you, you know that we are involved in Mordant with the uh, EMMC Mordant Church, and they have become a daughter church of ours. And so we're looking for a, pass, uh, a um, campus pastor for this, for, uh, in the next year. And uh, what's going to happen is we'll have some of our staffs going there and preaching like it happened this summer. Um, we have Chris right now that, that is preaching at 10 this morning. Uh, so I'll be there once a month. And uh, so what we want to do is we want to invest in that community. We want to see this community be um, effective when it comes to reaching the lost and the prodigals and raising up the next generation. So we invite you to pray for us, okay, as we navigate through this because there's a lot of stuff to look into. And uh, so we, we just need your support and your prayer as we move forward. Amen? And starting next week, we'll be also having um, physical offerings, so we'll have a basket uh, that will be, uh, again, restored, just to let you know. So I would ask you to stand, and we'll place ourselves before the Lord as we go to his word. His Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, and we worship you, and we adore you this morning. We, We are so privileged to be able to approach you And Father, you have open arms and you want us to come to you. And so that's what we do right now. We we come to you, we acknowledge you that you are a God and that our desire is to walk in your ways, to uh, walk according to your word. And so I just pray that you would have your way in our lives this morning. Father, I pray that you would go beyond my words and that you would speak life to every person here. You know, you know exactly where we are, and, and you want to, to speak, and, and you want to reveal your thoughts to us. So I just pray that you would help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart, but I pray that you would go beyond. So we choose to open our hearts this morning. We choose to say yes to what you want to tell us corporately, but also we, we, we want to hear what you want to tell us individually. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may grab a seat. So we're starting this series brick by brick, focused on the book of Nehemiah. It's going to be a great journey. We'll be going through chapters. And, and the goal of or the theme of the book of Nehemiah, actually, there's so many books on leadership uh, that were written based on Nehemiah because Nehemiah is an, op- is, a, is an awesome leader and there's a lot of leadership principles that you find from that book uh, based on how he behaved and, and based on, on, on this man. And uh, what we know about Nehemiah is that he, he is known for his action and uh, we, he is also known by, um, because he made a difference. And it's an amazing story because it talks about the ruin of Jerusalem, and I'll talk about the historical background in a moment, but you got this guy that was able to lead the, 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 the reconstruction or the rebuilding of the wall in, uh, around Jerusalem that was around three to four kilometers 
uh, around. And so that's a big, a big, uh, a big uh, project. And he did that in 54 days. And even that is pretty, uh, 55 days, it's pretty remarkable when you think about that. But what we find in this book, we find a godly man that is available for God. And God does a tremendous work through his life. And there's a lot of principles that we will discover in the next few weeks on, on how to live, how to be a leader, how to be a person of influence. And it's amazing to know that when we look at this book, we see God partner, partnering with him. And that's pretty amazing when you think about that. And you find that through scriptures, right? You find God walking with man, for sure to rescue, to save, but also partnering with us. Pretty amazing, right? God chose to work with us and to partner with us. And, and there's two verses I'd like to talk about that, that is Basically, the theme or the thought I'd like to share about this morning before we go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it talks about Paul. Paul says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. In other words, God made it grow. Think about this for a moment, how this is a tremendous, powerful verse. It says here that if I sow and I water, God makes it grow. We are... forming community and we get that right but do we really get that as a people when it comes to my life and when it comes to your life when it comes to our lives that when we sow we sow a seed we sow godliness we sow the character of God in obedience to God when we sow that and when we water it God causes it to grow pretty amazing right so the thing is if there's nothing that is sown and nothing that is watered then what will grow? So, so we have the seed, and the seed is the gospel, right? The seed is God's presence. The seed is the Father that loves. The seed is Jesus that saves. And the seed is the Holy Spirit that fills us and empowers us. So we have the seed. And the last thing we want to do is to keep the this, this seed in our back pocket. We're called to sow it. We're called to water it. And the amazing truth is that God causes to grow. Can you tell your neighbor that God causes it to grow? God causes the seed to grow. So in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, when you sow godliness, and when you sow God's views, the ways of God, it will grow. Pretty cool, right? The problem, I believe, is that we don't believe that. We don't think that my sowing matters or we don't think that my watering matters, but it's a fact that if I sow, and that's a a truth, a principle to live by, that when when I sow and when I water, God will cause it to grow. So realize when you get up in the morning, when you choose to sow, when you choose to water, expect. Say that to your neighbor, expect. Expect. You expect to see what you've sown and what you watered to grow. So, so we're called to live like this. And it says in verse 9, so we are God's fellow workers, that we are working together, but we're working with God. And, and we are his field, meaning that we belong to him, and that we are his building, that he dwells in us. And with us, he wants to move, and with us, he wants to touch people around us. So when we look at the context of the book of Nehemiah, it's... Um, 
it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard stretch in the, the history of, is, of Israel. Seventy years before, they were brought into captivity by the Babylonians when Babylonians came and took over Jerusalem. And this is where you find the story of Jeremiah that prepares the people for the, uh, the destruction that's coming, wanting the people to come and repent and turn to God, but they chose not to. And the, law, the, the story is, is that the Babylonians came and tore the, uh, the walls down, destroyed the temple, and brought people in captivity to Babylon for seven years. This is where you find the story of Daniel, where Daniel is in the, in the king's house for, se- uh, for seven years. Uh, like he's, he's in the king's house under that um, captivity where they were captive for seven years. And after that, well, the, the um, uh, Bab- Babylonian empire, uh, empire fell to the Persian Empire, and so there was a change of government, and at this point here, the Jews were permitted to go back to the promised land. So what you find in, in, in Zacharias, for example, you know the story of Zerubbabel, when Zerubbabel says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, when he looks at the rubbles of the temple, because the temple was in ruin, and God wanted the Israelites to build uh, uh, the temple, and so you see Zacharias, you see Agai, the prophet, and then you see Zerubbabel, that was the governor then, and by them, they were able to see the building of the temple. So then you find the book of Nehemiah with the book of Ezra, and actually, originally, there are only one book, but Ezra came first, and what he did was to restore the service to the temple. Since the temple was rebuilt, uh, so he came and, and brought back service and worship into the temple. And then in 444 BC, this is where you see Nehemiah respond to the call to be a governor and to see the walls being built. So there's lots going on. And and what God wanted to do was to see Israel being rebuilt and the walls and the temple be restored. And, And all that is to the focus, with the focus of the Messiah that will come one day. So when we look at the story of Nehemiah, it's a story of building up. It's a story of brick... Brick by bricks, where, where God, brick by brick, where God leads the people to rebuild. And I believe this is where we are here. We are, as a church, we are called to build. We're called to move on. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. And I've got a few thoughts I want to share when it comes to this chapter. The first one is expect to see God work through you. Can you, can you say that to your neighbor? Expect to see God work through you. Expect to see God work through you. And I'm going to start by the last verse of chapter 1. It says, In those days I was the king's cupbearer. Talks about Nehemiah, that he was serving wine to the king. Actually, he was test drinking whatever the king was going to drink. Like, I, I read some commentaries, and they were saying it's, it's a, it was a pretty important job. <laughs> for sure for the king, not for him, right? Because you don't know, right? You, you are... Uh, Given a, a cup of wine or whatever it, uh, it was given to the king, and you have to taste it first. That's not a good job. <laughs> Every morning, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Let's say you had an upset stomach the night before, and then you're taking some juice or whatever is given in the morning. You say, well, am I going to die? Like, 
<laughs> is that it, right? And so later on, you have some gases, and you say, oh, no, maybe this is it, right? Imagine living with the stress that you, you don't know what's going to happen because you're testing what the king, uh, the drink of the, of the king, because at that time, there was actually, if you look at history facts, it was, there's a few kings that were killed this way, so it was, a, it, it was an important job, not for the man, but for the king. The king really wanted to have a guy like this, but I guess the guy was not too keen about having that job. Anyway, the thought is, you see this guy that is um, drinking wine for the king, and you see him later on being the governor of Judah. What happened? A guy that seemed to have an insignificant, or not a significant, a disposable job. Really, right? So he's dead. Next, who's going to take his place? Very disposable. And you, you look at him, and, and God placed him there with a special task to be able to win the heart of the king so that the walls would be rebuilt, so Israel would be restored and protected from their enemies. Did, did you know that God is a master chess player? That God is doing something? That God is at work beyond our imagination and even our thoughts? And you see this guy that is a disposable and he is serving wine, not, in a, not for a moment thinking that he would be a tool by God to set his people free free in a way of being protected by Sambala and all the nations that were around Israel. What a crazy story, right? So when I see this, it challenges me to look at my own life and to think, what are you up to for me, God? What do you want to do in my life? It's the same thing with you when it comes to doing life and, and journeying. Sometimes we think that our job is pointless. Sometimes we think, uh, it, it, does my life matter? Uh, is it important what I'm doing? And sometimes we forget that maybe I was placed by God, maybe for a season or it could be for life, I don't know, but that you're placed by God and he wants to use you because that's what happened to him. A disposable man, according to the ways of this world, according to the king, but not for God. God had a plan for him. And I want to challenge you with this thought. I want you to realize that God has placed a call upon your life. And God has placed you. And sometimes we think that, oh, if I would be in a better setting, if I would have a different job, if I would be doing, I would be more effective. I believe that you need to catch this truth that God has placed a calling on you for where you are today. That when you get up in the morning, there's a calling on you. When you will go to work tomorrow morning or when you're going to have your kids, prepare your kids for school, whatever it is, there's a purpose and God wants to fulfill his purpose through you. And I got to believe that. You see, this is so important, guys, that life is not just going from A to B and doing whatever we, we, we think and, and not just to take ourselves not seriously where we think that we're not important. I need to realize that God has a plan for me. I don't know what time God would reveal himself to me in a particular way to make a, such a difference. I don't know that Nehemiah knew he was there. He was doing his job, doing the best he could. And like I said, so disposable, but God had a plan for him. I just want you to let it sink in your heart. Whatever you are on this journey of life, God is up to something with you. God is up to something with you. Can I repeat it again? God is up to something in you. And don't believe in the lies that says otherwise. You have kids that you're teaching. You have people that you minister to, that you talk to, you relate to, family, parents. You have to realize that your call is important and it is significant. And don't get caught by comparing yourself with other people. 
Realize that if you are where God wants you to be, bloom in it and expect God to do the impossible. I got to have that in my heart. And it's not linked to your abilities and to, to your, <laughs> to your uh, greatness, you know? Like for me, it makes today actually... 17 years that I became pastor of Gospel Mission. 17 years I preached my first message 17 years ago. Well, thank you. I'm saying this because when I showed up, showed up to Winkler, uh, well, English is still my second language. Um, I don't ha I'm not Mennonite, and I thought Mennonites were a, a, uh, a denomination and not a culture. And I know uh, this region has changed significantly in the last uh, 17 years. I've seen the change. But I, I looked at my abilities. I looked at, okay, I've, I, I, I'm not Mennonite. I'm, uh, English is my second language. Um, the church was more traditional than it is here, and I didn't know how I was able to bloom in this. And at the same time, there were so many churches in their community that what, what's What's the point, right? Like, can I make a difference? Like, there's so many different churches. And, um, and, and I felt not good enough. I remember I felt not capable. And I felt like, God, like, is there something that can come out of Claude that would make a difference? And I, and I get that. I, I, get, I, I get the reality of when we look at ourselves and we downplay or we think that we're not able to. But I think it's a good thing. Because this is where you rely on God. I think it's a good thing to come short. I think it's a good thing to have issues. <laughs> because this is where you rely on God. If you had no issues, if you had no limitation, no handicap, then you would do it on your own without God. You see? I look at Nehemiah was in a strange land in Susa, in, in, in Persia, and like, can he make a difference? Mm -hmm. He can. I can. And you can. Don't, don't undermine who you are. Don't, don't mortgage yourself as, you know, not being able or not being good enough. What God wants is for you to be available. It's just to be available. God, I, I want to be available. And I think that was the heart of Nehemiah. You can see him later on, seek God and pursuing God. He had a heart for God. And that's what God is looking for. Look at me for a moment, guys. The balcony. He's just, God is just looking to be available. Just wants you to be available. And if you are available, he can do tremendous stuff and things through you, you know? But it's okay to fall short. I think we're all in the same boat. It's okay. This is where we ask forgiveness. This is where we ask God to come and move. It really puts an emphasis on our humanity. Because you know what? We're humans. Humans that are in need of redemption. Humans that need help and, and strengthen, strengthen, strengthening and, and the filling of the Holy Spirit and to see God take uh, root his word into our lives. So what we see in Nehemiah, it's, he was disposable in the ways of the world, but God had a plan for him. I just want you, I just pray that will filter in your heart this morning, that you would not see yourself being disposable, but yet you would believe that God has a call upon you. I think it's so important. There was a quote that I read from Richard Elworth Day by, uh, from his book, Filled with the Spirit. He says, 
It would be no surprise if a study of secret causes were undertaken to find that in every golden era of human's history, it proceeds from the devotion and righteous passion of a single individual. There is no real mass movements. It just looks that way. In the center of the column, there's always one person who knows his God and knows where he's going. One person. Pretty amazing, eh? What a quote. I really love that quote because it talks to me and you that God is able and willing to work through me and through me and you, things can change. We call that grace. It's amazing what God can do through one person. So my first point, what I want you to catch this morning, expect to see God work through you. Can you say that to your neighbor last time? Expect to see God work through you. The second thing that is needed when it comes to be a person of action, of a person of influence, it's to, move, to be moved by the big picture. It's to be moved by the big picture. It's to, it's to have my heart touched it's to have my heart moved. Um, look what it says in verse 3, Nehemiah 1. Story goes in verse 2 where friends and brother comes. They came from Jerusalem and, and Nehemiah asked them, Hey, how are things in Jerusalem? And they said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem has fallen has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Look what happens in verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, prayed to the God of heaven. He's broken. He's broken. He didn't put his head in the sand. He, even though he was not in a good place as uh, serving wine, like I said, he was disposable. But at the same time, he had food to eat. And he was in, a, he was in a, a certain safe place compared to the Israelites that were always under attack by the other nations. And he's there and his heart is touched. You see, I, I believe it's so important for us to have our heart touched. If I want to make a difference, I need to see something happen here. Would you agree with me that if nothing happens here, nothing will be there. Nothing will be in my hands if nothing happens here. I need to be touched. And, and did you know that God has called us to, to go and make disciples of every nation? It says in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power. You will receive the Holy Spirit and he will empower you. He, he will fill you up. He will make you do stuff that you never thought you could do because God will be flowing through you. And he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In Judea, Samaria, and the end of the world. But, but to go to Jerusalem, you got to come out of your house. Right? You might have a, ha you might have a house in Jerusalem, but you got to come out of the house. It's the same thing when it comes to online, for example, those watching. Like, we want you to watch, but we got to do this. We can't just do church from our home. It just doesn't work. To fulfill the priesthood of the believer, I've got to be in community. I've, I've got to see you minister to me. I've got to see, um, I've I, I got to minister to you. Just today, you might talk with someone in, in the foyer and encourage someone in the foyer, and that can change your life. And, or it might be next week. But, but the thought is beyond online ministry. It's we've got to realize that God has called us to leave our home to leave our house. And we live in a society that when we look at COVID and the last, the, the, the outcome of COVID is that we are homebound. 
I think that we are allowed to leave our houses now and we are still stuck in our homes. And I believe it's important for us to realize that God has placed a calling on our, on our lives, but I think that we will fulfill a calling when our hearts are touched, when we're moved. Like, I, I was here last Tuesday evening. We had the partnership class. And there was over 60 young adults there. It was so amazing. And then I saw Mary, and I, I'm allowed to see her name in the first service. I, 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 well, I told, I told her I was going to give her, a, a, use her as an illustration. And I, I told that she was in a, a young lady in her, her, her late 50s, but actually she told me this one. I'm, I'm 66. And she, was, she shows up, 66 years old, at a junior, uh, not a junior youth, at the young adults, and she says, I want to serve. I, I want to minister. And she says, do you think I'll be good enough? I said, well, if I would be a young lady <laughs> that I'm not, <laughs> I, I would be so blessed to have a, a, a mother, a father figure, you know? Because you know what happens in the church? Sometimes we come to church, we don't realize it's a family, and there's not parenting that happens. We lose the focus of, we lost the focus of mentoring, of making disciples. And when you have someone that's 66 that comes to young adults, well, I think it's pretty cool, wouldn't you think, right? Then, then, then you, you stay on, on Wednesday, and, and then you have 80-some teenagers, and then you, you'll come tomorrow, and you probably will have like over 120 junior youth. Like, it's amazing, right? The privileges we have to serve. But what needs to happen beyond, yeah, for sure, in church, but I look at care portal, I look at uh, different stuff that we do as a church, and beyond the church is I want my heart to be moved. I need to see my heart moved. Like, I, I look at Nehemiah, his heart was moved. He cried. He was broken by it. Like something happened inside, and it was not disconnected. I'll talk about that in a moment. He, he did something about it. He, he was saying, God, what do I do with this, right? What do I do with this? It, it's to be open to the voice of God, and it's to open ourselves to what God wants to do. Um, I, I think sometimes we believe that I do not matter, but I do matter, and God wants to work with my life. So how can I be a person of action is I need to see God placing me, realizing that I got a call in my life, and I, I need to have my heart be moved. And thirdly, and the main focus of the chapter is I need to seek God's intervention. I can't do it, but God can. What, what, what we see is Nehemiah pray, and nine times we see Nehemiah, Nehemiah pray in his book. Nine times he goes to God, nine times he intercedes. Sometimes it's short prayers, but sometimes it's long prayers where he intercedes because he knows he can do it. He knows where he's from, and he knows where God has placed him. He has a heart for it, but he needs God's special intervention. It's the same thing with us. We, we are called by God. God gives us a heart, but we can't fulfill it on our own. We, can't, we have to rely with, uh, uh, on God. I was talking to a man in the first service. As he was passing by, he says, I, I'm getting involved in junior youth. He was going like this. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I said, yes, you can. Yes, you will. You know, you have a heart for junior youth. You got that burden on your, in, in your heart. Awesome. Just go for it. And you'll see God's going to equip you, and, and God will move in your life as you depend on him. So when we look at Nehemiah, when it, can, when it comes to being a person of action, we, we see in verse 5 that he prayed with faith. 
Then I said, O Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. So what he does, he goes before God, and he sees and he, he believes that God is awesome. And when he calls him God or O Lord, it's really the word of the covenant, Yahweh. And he says, you are the I am. You're the God of heaven. You're the great and awesome God. Not only that you have, you can do anything, you're also in your character full of love because you're God, uh, uh, you are a Lord of covenant. So it says you're great and awesome. But he also, he really, he, he realized that God is love. It's the same thing for me and you. When we're called to do and make a difference, I've got to believe that God is able. And I've got to remember the heart and the motive of God. It's to love. It's to wash other people's feet. It's serving, ministering to other people. And God glorifies himself through that. And, 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 and prayer does that. It, it, it works on my heart. It, it tenderizes my heart. The second thing that you find in his prayer in verse 6 is that he prayed with persistence and patience. In verse 6 it says, listen to my prayer, look down and see my praying night and day for your people Israel. Night and day. You know, it took, it, it, it took four months for him to be able to approach the king. He saw him every day, every meal. But the door opened up four months later. And he carried this in prayer. He brought it to God. At one point, and that will be a topic for next week, where it just bubbled out because it was just burning in his heart. And it was according to God's timing. But for months, he prayed and persist, persisted in prayer and patience. Another, another thing you see when it comes to prayer, actually you look at the themes here of praying in faith, persistence and patience. It's a good pattern to pray. And number three, pray with humility. Verse six, listen to my prayer, Lord. Look down and see my, my praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that I have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. And I have sinned. You, uh, we have sinned terribly by not obeying your commands, decrees, or regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. You see, he doesn't come and point the finger. He's broken. God, we sin against you. Come and restore us. So he comes, he comes with humility. Verse 11, we see him pray with assurance. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to my prayer, the, the prayers of those um, of us who delight in honoring you. So he, he, he comes boldly. Like he, he's not holding back. He's just saying, God, like I've been walking with you, God. I've been serving you. I, I need you to intervene. I need you to move for the Israelites. So he, can, he comes with assurance. Uh, verse 8, he remember God's promises in prayer. He says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey all my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled through the end of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen uh, for my name to be honored. So he says, God, he comes before God and he reminds God of the promises. Say, God, we've turned back now so we can expect you to intervene. So just that could have been a sermon on itself when it comes to prayer. But what really gets my attention when it comes to prayer is verse 11b, where prayer and involvement is connected. Uh, you know sometimes how we treat prayer? We say, God, come and work in Winkler and more than Altona, Carmen, southern Manitoba, in, in the province. Move in the province. But what Nehemiah is praying, and I think it's such an important type of prayer that we need to develop, God, come and move in our province, but what, what do you want me to do? 
Here I am, God. Use me. It's not a disconnection to prayer. Prayer involves him. It's not just praying for the church. It's more like, what do you want me to do? To see your will be done in the church. Or even when it comes to your family, instead of praying, change my wife. It's, God, what do you want me to do when it comes to my marriage? Instead of tagging uh, your uncle and your aunts, God, what do you want me to do? Like he puts himself there. And that's what we find in verse 11, verse B. He says, grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Because he could, lose his, he could lose his life, right? So he's praying all this time, four months, God, move. But he realizes that God's going to work through him. So please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Like he wants to live too, right? So, so God, may, may he be tender. And the, the story goes, and you'll hear about it in chapter 2, where the king, he's got the favor of the king. But his prayer is not a disconnected prayer. It's a prayer that involves him. And I think that's important for us to pray this way, where we just don't pray for the world. We pray, God, what do you want me to do? Open my eyes, uh, move me, show me what I'm called to do. And, and then when we have that heart, when prayer is attached to action, something will happen. It's like story and, uh, in Matthew chapter, I believe, is 9, where uh, Jesus says, to his disciples, the fields are white. Pray for the harvest master to send workers into the field. That's a, I always find that text funny. Not the fact that the mission is funny. It's a tremendous mission because that's the reality. But is that he was talking to the, to the disciples that went. So his, the praying was pray for the harvest master to, be, uh, to send workers into the field. But what, what really Jesus was saying to is that pray for God to lead you so that you can be... Um, Fishers of men, right? So it's not a disconnected prayer. It's a prayer that is linked to our obedience. So my prayer for you, or as I wrap this message up this morning, is that you would realize that you do have a call upon your life, that you're important for him. Secondly, that you would let God touch your heart and tenderize your heart, and that you would see the needs. And thirdly, you would place yourself before God and say, God, what do you want me to do I've got to do something about it. I can't just be passive. I can't just be watching. And to realize that even though in your own eyes you think that you're disposable, in God, God's eyes you are not. Call by God for purpose. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.